Brands on Brands. Hey, this is Sean Cannell, author of YouTube Secrets. And if you want to build a brand that matters, you should be listening to Brands on Brands with my good friend, Brandon Berkmeyer. In a world where content is king and your reputation is your brand, how do you build a brand that matters? Welcome to Brands on Brands, a home for those that think different and push their boundaries. This is where branding that matters lives. Now, here is your host, Brandon Berkmeyer. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Brands on Brands. I'm Brandon Berkmeyer, your personal branding coach, and I believe that building a brand that matters today is the only way for your business to thrive tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in each week. This is an interview show today. We are talking YouTube, all things YouTube for your personal brand with Sean Cannell, one of the top influencers in the game of YouTube. Uh, He knows all the gear. He knows all the secrets to get you guys started. Before that, if you guys are new to the show, make sure to go to brandsonbrands.com and check out what we got for you there. If you go to the resources page, specifically brandsonbrands.com forward slash resources, what I'm helping you with today is how to repurpose your content. Specifically, I have a resource on how to convert one hour of content into one month of content. Uh, That's right there for you and all the tips, the tricks you need to make your content go further. Now you can take a show like this and turn it into epic blog posts. YouTube videos, social media videos and posts, all that right there for you. I hope it helps you guys. But let's get into the show. This is why we are here today. I was super excited to record this and Sean did not disappoint. Uh, Sean Cannell, he is a best-selling author. He's a YouTuber extraordinaire, international speaker, and a business coach who built a seven-figure media company helping entrepreneurs and creatives build their influence and income with online video. Sean's YouTube channels have over 1 million subscribers. His videos have been viewed over 100 million times, and he's been featured as one of the 20 must-watch YouTube channels that will change your business by Forbes. Sean and his team are on a mission to help 10,000 people quit their day jobs to do what they love. He's passionate about giving tactical, practical advice to use video to spread your message. So I hope you guys check it out today. Uh, he's the author of YouTube Secrets, which we talk about in the show. He also has multiple courses on his website at seancannell.com. That's www.seancannell.com. And his YouTube channel is called Think Media or Think TV, whichever you want to check out. But Think Media is what you should type into the search engine uh, on YouTube and you will find all their videos. It's got over 1.54 million subscribers for Think Media. And yeah, Sean is the man. So today we we dive into questions like, uh, how do you get started with YouTube video? How do you switch from podcasting and blogging and all that into video? The things you need to know to build a successful channel all that and more, uh, and some of his personal backstory on how he got started, how he grew, how he monetized, how he built the business of his personal brand with YouTube So, uh, and other, other routes too. So check it out. My interview with Sean Cannell. Here we go. Brands on Brands. All right, let's get going. I'm excited to welcome our guest today, Sean Cannell, to the show. First off, thank you for being here, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Pumped to be hanging out with you, Brandon, and your community. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason I'm excited is we get to dive into video content for personal brands. And this isn't a new topic, obviously, for a lot of people, but so many are still afraid of video, I would say. So let's start there. Why is it important to start now adding video to your personal brand business, just to set the stage? I mean, I'm going to go and be bold and say that I actually think it's irresponsible for anybody that has a message, has a product, has a mission wants to impact people, wants to establish their thought leadership, wants to build a personal brand to ignore YouTube. YouTube is the dominant video platform. It's the second largest search engine in the world. Over 2 billion monthly active users are on YouTube. Whether you are a business brand, a personal brand, to ignore YouTube, I think would be foolish, even at the minimal level of maybe somebody you're connected to, or if you uploaded audio podcasts on YouTube, just with a static image, it's not what I recommend. 
But like YouTube's a search engine. There's so much SEO, search engine optimization opportunity there. And because it's such a mainstream platform now, meaning people view it as an authoritative platform, I think it's the expectation that, well, don't you have a presence on YouTube? And so I think that's kind of where the foundation is. I respect that some people are going to have their greater strength in maybe writing. Some will have a greater strength in audio. And by all means, those might be what you lean heavily into. But if you at all have the gumption, idea, courage, you may not even want to decide if you're the one that's coming up with the courage, because if it was left entirely up to you, you might talk yourself out of it and say, I don't think I'm ready. I don't think I'll be good on camera. I don't like the sound of, sound of my voice. Look, nobody likes the sound of their voice. I remember answering machines, Brandon, back when we were growing up, when you would like leave a message for your parents and you'd walk home from school down the gravel road after you got off the school bus. This is my story. And then I would walk up and I'd get inside and my parents weren't home yet or whatever. So I'd play the answering machine and hear my own voice. And I'd be like, what the heck? I didn't know I sounded like that. Like if anybody remembers answering machines. So you're usually going to be harder on yourself and count yourself out more. And it is nervous. It is kind of, you know, nerve wracking to get on camera, but you kind of just got to do it. And I do think that if you could just pull the camera out of the way and realize, man, how would you sit down with a friend at a coffee shop and just vibe and just add value and just answer questions? Of course, it's going to be awkward at first, but eventually it'll be like riding a bike. You commit to it. You do it because you have, because the results are there. Like it, it is such an important platform to be on. And eventually it'll become second nature to you and um, you'll overcome those fears. Well, and I think the, with your, you guys, your company, Think Media, and you specifically have been great at helping people get started. You have the YouTube Starter Kit on your website. You have the VIA Ranking Academy that helps people grow. So I'd like to dive into that a little bit. The idea of getting started, it still is intimidating, but maybe they are starting with blogs or they're starting like myself with podcasts, though I tried a lot of things. I would argue that those are easier places to start if you're trying to get your footing and just find your voice. But then- how quickly should I be adding YouTube? And you'd probably say tomorrow. But if I'm like just grasping with creating content in general, maybe what's that transition plan look like? Brandon, I wouldn't say tomorrow. I would say last year, especially <laughs> in your case, because here's the story. I was on with my friend, Kerry Newoff on his leadership podcast, and we we're in the exact circumstance that we find ourselves in now. It happens to be this just exact circumstance, but we are on Zoom. This is an audio podcast, but the cameras are on. You are in front of a camera. You got a light on. You've got a cool positivity wins thing behind you. I see my man, Gary V. I see Ogilvy on advertising. That tells me you're legit. I see we got the flip the script book. And so you're already on video. You're recording this. And this is exactly what happened with Carrie Newoff was I go, Carrie, why haven't you started your YouTube channel? He goes, I'm not sure. I go, but wait a minute, you're recording this podcast. He goes, yeah, I record all of them because I want to see the guests. I want to be able to connect with them. I go, but what'd you do with all the videos? He goes, oh, they're on my computer. I was like, Carrie, number one, I am personally offended that you just said that to me. Like, If I could travel right now during the pandemic, I would fly to your house to punch you in the face. Like, I, You're telling me you have hundreds of podcast interview videos on your computer, but you've done nothing with them. Meanwhile, this channel, YouTube, has existed where even if you don't, you know, put on a nice shirt and get a fancy DSLR or do anything, if you just put these videos up, sort of like not even with the best practices, like kind of good, like a decent title, like a thumbnail that is not amazing you would be getting so much more results than that video content doing nothing. So in terms of like when to get started, I think that's part of the conversation is also, well, what content formats are we going to be doing? What are the content modalities? And one of the easiest things to do is exactly what you're doing is to potentially do an interview show or a podcast and just flip on the camera. Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. It's a solo podcast, but he just flips the camera and he gets the video aspect out of it as well. That gives him the consistent upload. And so we could definitely talk about starting, if you will, quote unquote, proper YouTube content. But the result of Carrie then after, you know, we recovered in our relationship through lots of counseling because of how offended I was and how much division there was in our uh, relationship <laughs> after. But he's just started uploading these, these Zoom calls and they'd get 100 views, 50 views, 300 views. But over time, and here's the magic of YouTube, some had 5,000, some had 10,000, some had 16,000. Because YouTube is like a fine wine. It gets better with age. When you upload content on YouTube and it's 
made so people can find it. Never forget, 65% of people go to YouTube looking for answers to specific questions. And so many people also love YouTube because it recommends them videos. So once videos find their ways in the algorithm, sometimes you don't even know what video it's going to be. You just need to commit. You just want to stay consistent. It could be the person. It could be the topic. You talk about the right topic at the right time on the right trend. You talk with Sean about Clubhouse at the right moment. And who would have thought that that video all of a sudden has 8,000 views, not to get off topic, but ultimately that's kind of what I would encourage is this also lends itself to being simple because people think they need a fancy studio. They need all this other stuff. Like if you can get in front of your laptop and you can, you know, pop in some Apple headphones with the little mic on this cord for those that don't have the AirPods or whatever, and, and sit in front of a window, like you can start creating video content. And that's the key is you just want to start, start before you're ready, start messy. Someday later, you might be like Tom Bilyeu and build out impact theory and build a studio in your house in Southern California and, and have cameramen and lighting and all kinds of other stuff. Well, yeah. But like, you got to start any entrepreneur, any personal brand knows, like you start first, you know, simple, and then you can scale as you go. Yeah. And I'm, I'm guilty of that for sure. On my end, at the end of the day, like I've seen the success, I'm, I drink the Kool-Aid, but I think the action is still like there's, there's lacking. So, I, you know, maybe I need to be punched in the face as well to get my, <laughs> my, my, my uh, stuff in order. But like I had an interview with uh, Evan Carmichael, another YouTuber, uh, I'm sure a friend, uh, and then like. I posted that, did a little bit of editing and, you know, that hit 14,000 views. And it was like, what am I doing here? This is there you you know, go. like skyrocketing anything I would get in the podcast. So I, I get, I get that. But here's some of the barriers, right? And maybe you can help us like what the simple tips are for this. Number one is like the editing part of it. Like what are the things I need to take this zoom interview and make it YouTube appropriate? Cause it's like, okay, I can get I can get someone on Upwork to do some editing, but what would you recommend? Is it Upwork? Is it some other tool or a company that can do editing? What about the transitions and the branding of that? Like, give me past stuck. Yeah. So number one, VidChops, V-I-D-C-H-O-P, or something like Video Husky. These are for under $400 a month, you could get them to edit four videos a month. You just upload the footage to Dropbox and they'll chop it up for you. It's kind of like any onboarding of any team member, but once you get that system and that template good to go, you're good to go. And for under $800 a month, you get unlimited edits, which really means every 48 hours. So you could be doing something like 15 videos a month. That's a lot. And so that becomes super affordable. You know, if you want to pull it in-house, you, you could use something like Filmora, um, which is a cheap video editor on Mac. You could use iMovie or Final Cut 10 and keep it super simple and or Adobe Premiere if you got fancier. But I would definitely recommend most people listening, think about outsourcing the editing. But even more than that, I think a huge key would just be, I know this might feel like pressure because ed- editing is the saving grace of what if I mess up? You know, I, I have a chance to clean things up. But I would try to do as much heavy lifting as possible just in the show itself. And here's what I mean. Just create yourself a template. Just create yourself kind of a script. You know, I know public speaking is intimidating, and I'm sure we're talking to people maybe who don't have a background in public speaking. But if you were to have to public speak, it's kind of like going live on any platform online. You're up there now. It's 30 minutes long. You got to roll with it. And what's interesting is that once you're up there, let's say, for example, you hosted a panel at a conference, like you, you're an interview show, you're not even the main thing, you just got to keep it going, good, bad or ugly, like it's going to be 30 minutes. So my answer, Brandon, before even how do you edit is don't edit. That's what I was telling Carrie was like, well, I don't because in his case, he had team and whatnot, but still was like, well, how do we introduce this as a new workflow? And this is another level of complexity. And how? well, don't even worry about you can worry about that later. If you just commit to pressing record, punching perfectionism in the face and getting started, then you just start uploading those videos. What that creates is, you know, what leadership expert John Maxwell calls as a law of leadership, the big mo. What you need is momentum. You start getting momentum. You start going, ah, I mean, I I uploaded that 30 minute straight through recording four weeks in a row. And I encourage people this, especially on this getting started in the hurdles and the mindsets and the insecurity. I get it. But I want to encourage you, when you start posting content on YouTube, there's probably not going to be a lot of people there, especially if you're like really just starting from scratch, if even anybody. And I actually want you to flip how that feels because how that could feel is, oh, I'm just wasting my time. Oh, why is nobody watching? You know, is this even worth doing? Sure enough, 
verifies how my parents made me feel as well. No one's going to accept me. Like, it, you know, sure enough. And, and, and stop with all the negative self-talk, man. Like, here's the deal. You got to use your season in obscurity to prepare you for popularity. And I actually think it's a blessing to potentially commit to a year's worth of YouTube videos, not focused on results goals, but focused on output goals. This is such a mindset hack. We focus on results goals. If I don't, we set goals. If I don't get to 1,000 subscribers or 10,000 subscribers in the next six months, I'm a failure. No, you're not. Like everyone, it's your race, your pace. But what if you flipped it and said, in the next year, I just want to do 52 uploads. That's one a week. I, there's the number, 52. And success looks like hitting the number of outputs, not the actual results. Again, one of my goals, I'm not very serious about it, is to be Brad Pitt Fight Club ripped. I mean, I've thought about this for a long time. I mean, there's a scene, I don't even get it to, he's like smoking a cigarette. He's got like a Bud Light in his hand, but he's just cut up like blood. He's about to fight some dude in like an underground fight, but it's just six pack, the full deal. So that's my goal. My ambition is Brad Pitt Fight Club ripped. Well, of course, diet and nutrition and exercise, but on the flip side, there's genetics involved. So if I only based success on results, I actually maybe never will be Brad Pitt Fight Club ripped because of my genetics. It's very reasonable. However, if I judge my output goals and say, I'm going to actually lift something heavy for an hour a week, uh, an hour a session, three times a week. Well, guess what? The byproduct of actually focus on the output goal is the thing that would start getting to me results. Maybe I don't get that far, but I still make progress. Or maybe I end up getting, I'm like, wow, I got a real knack for this. So I think the key is to get started and create as simple of a workflow as possible. What does get people stuck early on is they compare themselves to somebody else and they want, you mentioned it. How do I get the fancy intro, like my color palette, my theme song, my transitions? How do I get the little social media icons and the lower thirds? Great. In fact, subscribe to our channel, Think Media. We'll help you with all of that. But I've learned that complexity is the enemy of execution. So I'm saying, why don't you just do four weeks, one a week, where you go direct to camera, no editing? Well, what it might not even be that good. Remember, it's not for you. Use your season in obscurity, or it's not for the audience, it's for you. Use your season in, in obscurity to prepare you for popularity. It's practice. It's putting in the reps. It's showing up to the gym, and you don't have cool gym clothes yet, and you don't even actually know how to exercise on the machines yet. And I'm sitting there, and I'm actually doing the reverse rows in reverse, and it's super embarrassing because I didn't understand the picture, and all the gym rats like are judging me. But that's what it's like being at the gym for the first time. It's going to be freaking awkward. It's going to be, you're going to be sweating out of even double the pores that everybody else is sweating out of. But when you keep showing up and doing the work, then you start getting more muscle and you can add on more complex routines. Keep it simple at the start. Yeah, I love that. And what's funny is there's at least a couple of t-shirts. If you guys want to rewind and listen to some of the quotables that Sean's dropping on us today, Uh, obviously, like I love the season in obscurity, Uh, use that to prepare for popularity. Like that's, that's, going in our repurposing system already when we're talking about this video. But beyond that, I think it's just a t-shirt that says Brad Pitt Fight Club ripped. Mm-hmm. I mean, like trademark that already. Let's get trademark. Some, let's sell that at the next social media marketing world or something. Yeah. No. <laughs> Hopefully it can be a picture of me in a year if I actually get my act together and stop just focusing on YouTube all the time and actually lift something heavy. But we we should go on. Yeah, we have Photoshop. That's okay. We can figure it out. Uh, what I want to get into also is two things, but I'll start with this. For those of us that are like, okay, I'm convinced I'm going to do it. I have this archive. I've been planning on this, but now I have the motivation. I think the first question is going to be, is this a just get it all out as quickly as possible? Or is that going to mess me up too? Do I need to just start slowly getting these out one at like one a week? Or should I be just dropping everything in as fast as possible? Yeah, I don't think I would upload more than once a day. I think that I would spread video uploads at least two days apart. But you know, I'm a new dad. So I got a four month old now. And I think a lot of people listening are always trying to think about how do they make an impact? How do you build your business? How do you build your personal brand while also thinking about family and seasons of life? We've been in my family through health challenges. My wife has a chronic illness. I have friends or people on the team that are going through the death of a loved one or a parent, and then trying to deal with the resources of a family and, and anyone listening that's been through any of this kind of stuff, you know that this is the kind of stuff that can 
really knock you off track and make it hard to stay consistent in your business. On the flip side, consistency is the only thing that gets continuous respect and continuous results. So as an entrepreneur, you and building your personal brand, you have to figure out a system to stay consistent. So the reason I say all that, Brandon, is because I think having a sustainable pace is key. So even if you had a backlog of content, I would still encourage holding content back because there's some seasons where you'll be able to fill up the hopper, if you will, and other seasons where this is how you can take a month off. And you might not just be taking a month off. That'd be nice, but you might be taking a month off of YouTube because you've got a whole other thing. You're doing some hiring. You're thinking about this. You're writing your book. So pace yourself. That's one of the biggest mistakes I see people make. They get pumped and they want to get a bunch of momentum. So they're like, I'm doing a daily show. And that can lead you to burnout really quick. A sustainable pace, a healthy pace. And you know, back to the interview show example, Jamie Tardy is a great example of this. She wrote a book called Everyday Millionaire, and she had a video podcast and podcast called Everyday Millionaire. And because of family and balancing her time and everything else, she made it so that she only recorded interviews on Mondays. She recorded four at a time. All of the Mondays that she had him schedule, four interviews would be scheduled. She used to do it by herself, then eventually a virtual assistant did it. And then she had a month's worth of content. So she put constraints around her content strategy. So I think that's the important thing. Yes, if you have a backlog, if you're ahead, you could do a month of 30 days of inspiration and schedule them, not in the same day, but every, but I, man, I, it's nice having reserves because you never quite know what's going to happen. And I think that's a secret of some of the most successful because people go, man, they've never missed. Has their life never been disrupted? And I think the secret is, oh, their life certainly has been disrupted, but because they operated with wisdom and strategy and planning and foresight, they were able to remain consistent in the tough times and get ahead in the good times. Yeah, well, and you're, you've certainly been doing this long enough to, to have seen that. I also am sure there are things you would have done differently looking back to when you had started. But what I want to get into is you have two channels, right? And this is just, I think, for people who might have done this too. You have the Think Media channel, which is the behemoth that where you know, all the content about video content strategy, the right gear, all the helpful advice you're going to need for you know, starting YouTube and growing YouTube, where they're going to find that. You also have a personal channel, the Sean, you know, that's Sean Cannell. And I want to point out uh, your best video ever was about Beyblades. You know, this is eight years ago, uh, has almost a million views. Did you miss the boat by not really diving into this and making, you know, being the Beyblades channel? It's too funny. That's a good example of you never know what video is going to blow up because I just didn't even know what Beyblades were. I turned on my little vlog camera when I was at my friend Jeff Moore's house and his kids were playing Beyblades. And I made that video for his kids. I added some music to it and just filmed their battles in the Beyblades ring. And that video is on its way to a million dollars. And the cool story about that was however much AdSense revenue it produced, which was around two grand or something, I sent that to them. And I sent them a camera that I had in my collection. And I sent that to them to split among the kids. And I said, this is the power of YouTube. This is your guys's video. And they were pumped to get like two grand and uh, a camera to start creating content. But you never know what video is going to blow up. That's amazing. So to be to be, uh, being a little more serious, if you have a personal channel, like what's the benefit of that? If you're going to, if there's a reason to separate the two, I mean, should we consider that two separate channels? Well, It's much worse than you're suggesting. Just a little bit of backstory. I don't have two YouTube channels. I have like seven. (laughs) So the first channel I ever started was for my church in 2007. That's a little bit of a different story because I transitioned and eventually moved to Vegas to be a part of a different church and do some different things. The first YouTube channel I started was called Think International, and it was an interview show in 2009 with Jeff Morse. And Then I started Think Media because I wanted to talk about cameras and tech at that time. Uh, Because, and the only reason it's called Think Media is this other channel was called Think International. And the only reason that was called Think International is we thought Think Skateboards were cool and we had been to Canada. So we like, we're like international, whatever. Think International, who knows? So it's funny today because now, like, what was the strategy behind Think Media? Dude, I don't, I don't know. Like, it's just what I called it 10 years ago. And then I started my first 
and last name channel, Sean Cannell. At the time, it was called Sean Thinks. And then I started uh, a channel called Clear Vision Media, which was the portfolio of my video production company. This is the biggest mistake because I have four active YouTube channels in 2010 when I'm just starting, no growth yet. And I learned that if you try and chase two rabbits, you'll end up catching neither. If you try and chase four rabbits, you will burn yourself out and accelerate your gray hair like I have mine by 20 years at least. Because it's just, you're dividing your energy and it reminds me of the book Essentialism. It's just a lesson I've learned. But I also think as much as possible, starting with the end in mind and getting super clear on what it is you're trying to build as we tie this back into personal branding. The benefit of all of that was it really helped me become extremely educated on YouTube because I was doing so many different case studies and tests. It slowed down momentum because my energy and my outputs were so divided amongst multiple channels. And in summary to maybe answering your question today, personal brand, and now I have video influencers as well. So those channels all kind of, I got five YouTube channels, a couple failed YouTube channels, man, I've done a lot of YouTube channels. Personal brand or company brand, there's a book called Built to Sell. Never read it, but the, the title made sense. And so, you know, is your business built to sell? And I started asking that about my personal brand and realized it wasn't. Most personal brands are not unless you become Zig Ziglar like Tony Robbins and you can turn your information into IP in some way. So by accident, luck, serendipity, and God's grace, I suppose, Think Media lately has been shifting to be more of a company brand, and I'm having multiple personalities. Our goal is to be the SNL of tools and tips for creators, a brand, a trusted name, but not a personal brand name, a company name that multiple personalities could be a part of. Call it CNET or The Verge or Engadget. And we are, I'm just, that's a new mission. It's a less than two years old, but started sort of steering things that way to consider scalability and where things go next. Additionally, yes, I started the personal channel also just to have a personal outlet. There was not a lot of vision or strategy there. The problem with the personal channel, if there's no clear vision, I didn't know what I wanted to be known for. So I was talking about this, that I reviewed the amazing Spider-Man. I did a cooking video. I took my dogs on a walk and filmed it. So it was like all over the place, which random efforts usually lead to random results. But I've now concluded in the journey of building it all up. And I've, I've thought about this for a while. Now I'm just clear with my, my pursuit on YouTube is that it's very hard in, in, in 10 years plus of doing this. I'm trying to do less than ever before. Again, I started with four channels. I'm trying to actually come down to just one channel and like really the power of focus, follow one course until successful focus. And so it's all think media. And I'm trying not to abandon that in a 12 month window or a 24 minute, I never really abandoned it. But like, I'm trying to realize that if you really, you really should try to think about what you could say no to, what you could stop doing. I would argue that most people listening to this are doing way too much. They're like, if you're trying to build a course and write a book and start a YouTube channel and you're in clubhouse 20 hours a day and you're trying to like, like you're doing too much. Like it's, you, you want to be, the power of focus has been such a huge theme for me. So saying that in my thirties, I wanted to actually build a business and try to build up my personal life and stay married. I've been married 15 years and see if I can raise a family and see about some of those things. And in my forties, I want to uh, talk about leadership and business development. Not trying to judge anybody, but I do think some people start talking about business development and they've never really developed a business. So before I really think of myself as like someone who has credibility on that, I want to see, could I build a team? Could I make a profitable company? Could we remain profitable? Could we last through more than just one swing of the market or one certain push of the market? But can we survive pandemic and prosperity? Like what, what could we make it through some things? And so... In my 30s, more or less, I've been focusing on Think Media and YouTube, but I'm planning to pivot my personal brand. And I'm not even hesitating. I mean, I talk about my faith and leadership and business like all the time on my Instagram stories and whatnot, and even in my other content. But that is not the value proposition of Think Media or my book, YouTube Secrets or anything like that. So it's sitting there. My Sean Cannell channel is sitting there. I'll throw stuff up there here and now, but actually the discipline to not upload on that channel, I believe is a superpower and to do the right thing in the right season, in my opinion, because it's hard to do anything, let alone trying to do three things at once. Elon Musk, he admittedly is like, dude, don't try to run Tesla and SpaceX and this whatever AI thing he's doing 
he's a dude is a maniac. He's like, most people don't want my life. I think it's kind of kind of crazy to try to run multiple businesses. I mean, there's plenty that probably have figured that out, but I think that you really got to be a, a special kind of maniac to try to figure that out. I, I took this question a lot of places though, that you didn't really ask, but that's sort of the, that's the power of the conversation. I mean, it's when you're on a flow, let's go, let's let's take it. Cause they're going to take something from that, whatever it might be. Like one person might grab something from the beginning, someone else from the end. I want to get to the idea of like, what does success look like for someone starting in YouTube? But before that, before that, I want to think about this idea of like, when you were starting to like get going and there was a business behind it that maybe, maybe it was just YouTube revenue, but maybe it was something else speaking or coaching or whatever it was courses. I'd like to get a, like a, maybe a glimpse into that model, that business model of, you know, like when someone's getting started and they want to be a personal brand business. What do you think is going to be beneficial in terms of how you design that business? I think that being a personal brand doesn't have to be necessarily considered an expert, but I think of it as kind of the expert industry or the influencer industry. You can pick your path. There's kind of like a buffet of opportunities. When I was starting, I found the shortest path to revenue. I think step one is to define what is the shortest path to revenue for you, the, like the... Um, and what is best for your niche or your industry. For some, it's, I will eventually work with brands and and you could do that pretty early on YouTube. They call them nano-influencers and micro-influencers. And I'm not really sure what the breakdown is, but once you start being around 5,000 focused subscribers, once you start being around 10,000, I think if you're under 30,000, you're considered a micro-influencer and then you become kind of mainstream as you grow from there. And it could be, man, you could be an influencer for anything. Click funnels, Kajabi, a travel company, a skincare company, a leadership education membership site. Like there's a lot of different things you could partner with. Affiliate marketing where they don't even necessarily know you're an affiliate, but now you have your custom link. And if someone clicks on that, my path was I figured out how to rank videos that, that YouTube is a search engine and that videos could be watched for weeks, months, and years to come. And people were looking for answers to specific questions, including questions like, what is the best camera for YouTube? Then I discovered affiliate marketing and that I could sign up on like amazon.com and get a link to a camera on Amazon and put that on my YouTube description. And then when someone clicks that link, if they purchase something, I get paid. And what a lot of people don't know is that when someone clicks that link for 24 hours, anything they purchase, I get credit for. So even if they're like, well, I'm not ready to buy a camera, but it's, you know, it is the holidays and I'm buying my husband a Bretling watch. I'm like, well, thank God, because that watch was three grand and I just made 200 bucks. So uh, whatever diapers, clothes, the, the, how they just subscribe to, I know what you did last summer purchase on Amazon prime video. Like you're getting cuts to all that when they use your link and they've clicked on it. So I think the best way for a personal brand or the shortest path. It's not the only path. It depends on your niche and how you're positioned. But I think the shortest path is affiliate marketing because for YouTube ads, you have to get 1,000 subscribers and 4,000 hours of watch time to even qualify for the YouTube partnership program. And then once you start monetizing the views you are getting, it might be 50 bucks a month, 100 bucks a month, which is awesome, but it's probably not gonna pay your rent or your mortgage very quickly. So you wanna find ways to do other things. And then probably even better would be Yes, your own product. Because if you're an affiliate, you might get four to 10% of a $100 sale. If you have a $100 product or $100, someone just paypal.me you some 100 bucks, you get to keep all of that, all of that besides the fees. So if you could do coaching, consulting, online courses, uh, that could create more leverage. Yeah, I appreciate you, you actually talking about what you had done because it's, I think, we have these ideas, but we don't ever try them because we don't know which one is going to work for us. And I'm sure it's different for everyone, but knowing that, yeah, like you talked, like gear was right in your wheelhouse. So it, and you know, not only like the the Amazon hack, which, you know, is, is a great way to go, but also that means that you're also talking to these companies a lot of the time and they might be sending you gear. So there's some benefits that, that worked out both ways. Not everyone's going to have a gear channel, but I liked, I wanted to hear your story because we hear everyone saying, well, you can make money a lot of ways, but like, how did you actually do it? So thank you. And I actually want to ask this before I get to the what we talked about uh, in terms of how to measure success is because you mentioned this. And I want to know, is this the right question? How do we get to a thousand subscribers fast? That's like the the YouTube clickbait, right? Like, how do we get to a thousand subscribers fast? Is that the right question? Maybe it is. That's a great question because I think it's, you know, you want to get momentum and you you definitely need, I think, a thousand subscribers. You don't need a huge channel. 
and we can define success in a second to even create serious money, but you probably need at least a thousand subscribers. And it really gets interesting around 10,000, which is small in the world because people think you need a million. You got to be a superstar. Not true at all. How do you get to a thousand subscribers fast? You probably need to post at least 30 videos to 50 videos. I think it's good to judge yourself on that output goal rather than the results goal. You just in the process of doing that could very well get you to a thousand. A lot of those videos are just going to be you figuring out your rhythm. So don't be overly judgmental. You're just getting used to it. Next is if possible, answer specific questions, meaning like how to is a good way to open up a video. Best is a good way to open up the video, like the best software for balancing your taxes and your personal finance, personal brand or whatever, you know, uh, doing your taxes. So uh, product reviews, products, in my opinion, are influencers, meaning people actually search for products. They will search for a tutorial on WordPress or QuickBooks or a software program or ClickFunnels. And therefore they find that tip that you shared and they discover you. And, and what people think is they go, well, am I a software channel or a tutorial channel? Not necessarily. Like if you wanted to influence other marketers and you were helping them build their funnels and click funnels, but you generally taught on funnel strategy, marketing, psychology, and sales, that content could very much lead to the exact person you want to attract. So that would be uh, absolutely the fastest way to get to 1000 subscribers. But the, the last way is the way to, to grow really big. And it's kind of like, I view YouTube like baseball. All I ever want to do is get a base hit. I want to put out a video and have it be a base hit. Even if I like bunt and like, boom, you know, people are like, boo, that was so cheap. And I barely get on base. Like, I just want to put out a video that like answers a specific question based maybe on what people are searching for. And I'll do some keyword research and it, it gets five people a month look for it. And like, oh, that's, that's not crazy. No one's going viral. But yeah, I'm like, yeah, but if I keep getting on base, that's how you win the game. Like if I can just get on base every time and listen, sometimes you strike out. Sometimes you get on base, sometimes you get a double, but the key is that right pitch comes at the right time after you've been consistent. And so you've got the right swing and then boom, grand slam, because the bases are loaded with all your other videos. And all of a sudden you are always one video away from changing your life and business on YouTube. To me, what oftentimes that is, is when you react or you commentate on something that's trending in your industry or in the news, or that's related to your niche. When you're willing to pick a fight, when you're willing to share your polarizing point of view, when you're willing to potentially, what we call, we call it trend surfing or influence surfing, because you are, you're actually leveraging the influence of somebody else. But we've seen that you're doing it in an ethical way and you're doing it in a conviction-based way, a principle-based leadership way, because you might say, man, I'm just, I don't like what's happening in politics, which you may not want to go there. I don't like this decision. Or maybe you saw this and here's how this ties to that. Maybe you teach public speaking. And so you also just react to five things we can learn from the recent Donald Trump speech or the recent Joe Biden speech. Like, that's going to be potentially pulling people into your world. And if you break down how to communicate powerfully, then that's good content regardless. And by the way, you might go, oh, shoot, well, that, I can't even believe you just said those names on the podcast, like cancel culture and just like <laughs> how sensitive everybody is. And so, you know, at the end of the day, though, it, you go, dude, I'm not even making, that's my friend Charlie does this on Charisma on Command. He's like, I'm not here to even talk politics. I'm here to talk powerful communication, marketing, and persuasion. And if you notice about how this recent campaign went, and, and he's breaking down principles that are adding value to his audience, and someone inevitably in the comments will be like, oh, I can't even believe you. And you're like, dude, so you that's why I say if you're willing to be courageous and step out there, that's the grand slam move. Because videos like that have a chance to grow pretty big because you leverage the tactic and the strategy of influence surfing and trend surfing. Yeah, I love that. And I, I think obviously if people want to like get into all the tactics and all the, the strategies, like taking the courses, learning from people that you respect, getting the book, YouTube secrets, these are all going to help you along the way. I think knowledge is power. And the more you can pour into yourself, the better you're going to be. But I want to ask you while I have you, because we're coming toward the, the backside of this podcast here. What does success look like for someone starting on YouTube? Like what matters? I know you have a lot of like metrics you look at and that kind of thing, but what would you say we should be thinking about in terms of this is what success looks like on YouTube? Well, the definition of success is misunderstood a lot of times because all success is, is the reaching of a predetermined goal. And so 
I think it's all about actually what is your intent for YouTube. So define your intent from day one. Is your intent, it could be not probably this community, but it could actually be self-expression. It could be like, you might say, I want to become a better public speaker. So I'm going to go live on YouTube once a week. I don't even care if anyone's there. I just want to practice delivering a TED Talk length speech once a week for a year as just an experiment with myself. If people come on the journey, cool. Well, then you would be completely completely successful. I would argue if you did it 52 times, but even if you did it 35 and then something you know happened and you couldn't keep going, you were still, you're, you shot for the stars, you hit the moon, like amazing. So it's what is your intent? What's your goal? You do in any business owner, personal brand, you need to know what are you measuring? Your KPIs, your key performance indicators. Is it leads? Is it need to actually be sales? Is it people calling you on the phone? We got Steve Panette, one of our Video Ranking Academy students. He doesn't, I don't think he even has 5,000 subscribers. He's one of the top agents in his region because he doesn't need huge subscriber amounts. He puts out a video about something specific and people are calling him or emailing him and he's selling a home and getting that commission or helping someone sell a home. So it's a clearly defined goal, is it? it and it very well could be 10,000 subscribers or 100,000 subscribers. Um, when you get 100,000 subscribers, you get a silver play button. And I think that's a cool goal. Like, I think it's also important to audit. This is what any business owner would do before they launch a business is they would study the TAM, the total addressable market. If no one in your niche has a 100,000 subscriber channel, I don't want to like speak death over your situation, but like you may never have one either because it's the, and that's good. Like what is the total addressable market? Only 7,000 people a month search for underwater basket weaving. It's actually kind of a lot, but it's not a huge niche. So if you're like the leading personal brand in underwater basket weaving, your YouTube channel might quote unquote peak at 50,000 people but you've reached success. So who am I to judge or determine what success is? So it's reaching a clarity to define goal. But my definition for YouTube is three things, momentum, monetization, and automation. I think YouTube is unique. And I think that this is almost, they're almost like same business metrics. Like earlier, I'm talking about how like, don't start five businesses, try to get one profitable. Like number one, momentum. Momentum is hard to start on YouTube. So you got to be willing to sweat and put in the work. More work in the beginning than the results are, if you will, paying you for or even are rewarding you. It's, a, it's an emotional roller coaster. It's, it could be very discouraging. You just look, you're like, dude, seven people watch this. It took me seven hours to make. Like, I don't feel, well, yeah, you're just starting. If you were pushing a train to get it started, it starts slow. Eventually, all the weight and all the momentum of the train keeps it going. YouTube is definitely a snowball effect. So success is once you're getting views, why you snooze? Success is once you get a couple of videos that are ranked in search, showing up in suggested videos, momentum. That also, the second word, automation. That's where you also are experiencing some automation. The beauty of YouTube, this is crazy. Around 6,000 people watch Think Media videos every hour. That's nuts. Like 24 hours a day. It's about a quarter million views every two days. So the level of automation, it doesn't matter if I want to work in my business, write my next book go on a run with my son in his Thule jogging stroller, my favorite thing to do right now, running, pushing him around the neighborhood, go snowboarding, hang out with the team, hang out with my wife. My business is growing on autopilot. That is the power of YouTube. It took a long time to build that. And here's, you don't need 6,000 views every 60 minutes. What if you only got 10? That's 240 views a day. You're not cold calling anyone. You're not having to you know, trade your time for money. You have people discovering your content on automation because of ranking your videos in search. And of course, we could talk about that. That's like what our course is all about and stuff too. And then the last one's monetization. I think back to that idea of not trying to start two YouTube channels or try to like start TikTok and Instagram and Clubhouse and YouTube all at the same time. You may do that, but here's monetization. How much do you need to survive right now as a personal brand to find that number? Because what does success look like? Well, success being full-time or making a full-time living online or something, 
for the 21 year old that can sleep on his friend's couch for 300 bucks a month. And by the time he pays food and for his bus pass, he needs less than a thousand bucks a month to live is different than the married couple that live in downtown New York city. And they have 10 kids and their two car garage and their apartment is going to run them 40 grand a month to like live at a basic level. So there's a large spectrum of trying to define uh, and anywhere in between uh, of, of what success even means. So I would say, but for the smart personal brand, what do you need to survive? And then what do you need to have more than enough to scale? Because anybody, even if you're an individual in a personal brand, you got to be thinking like a bigger brand. How do I eventually then hire a virtual assistant? How do I hire VidChops or Video Husky to get someone editing? How do I get level up my internet speed and get that faster laptop? How do I build that battle station? How do I hire that personal assistant? How do I scale the brand of me? I'm not a businessman, as Jay-Z says. I am a business man, and a business needs revenue to reinvest in the business to cover cost and growth and expansion into new territories. So I think it's getting clear on stick with one thing, focus, follow one course until successful, that your YouTube channel, in my opinion, you know you've reached a, a measure of success, number one, based on however you want to define it. But number two, if you've got momentum and you've got you've hit that monetization of, if you will, passive income, when your passive income from YouTube, because it's going to your funnel or because it's going to an affiliate product or because it's going to YouTube ads or it's because people sign up for coaching or because just your brand there leads to the 24 speaking engagements you need a year, that's all you need. Like, you know that that's what you need. Like if I get 24 speaking engagements a year at my fee, then I'm good. Well, maybe your YouTube channel does that for you. Momentum, monetization, and automation. Man, that's that's huge. And I wasn't going to, I don't think I wasn't going to finish the show like this, but what I wanted, you mentioned public speaking. I think for so many people, that's like where that fits into their model is confusing. Is that the start of it? Is that how they get the attention, whatever it is? Because I think for a lot of us, the goal is the targeted attention. We want the attention of the people that we want to work with us, right? And for you, I'm curious, because I feel like the creating content that was gear related content and other things, tutorials. And then monetizing that through affiliates was probably like an easy wheelhouse for you. Was public speaking right up with that to begin with? Or did that turn into something like, where did that come from? And how did that fit into it? Yeah, public speaking has been massive for me. I think it's something that every personal brand should lean into. There's nothing quite like it's different because when you're at in a room, especially in person, but even on virtual stages and virtual events or challenges and things like that, it's a different kind of context. People on YouTube are bouncing in and out, that average view duration. But when somebody signs up, especially for an event or wants to be at a place, it's the deepest level of impact, in my opinion. And more than anything, is the physical stage, when you're on a physical stage. For me, whatever may be you know, natural DNA or talent or whatever, I still had to overcome no skills, feeling awkward. But I had a massive advantage, and that was I started interning at a church in 2003. And depending on the style of church too, you are in a accelerator of public speaking. I'm being put up to do announcements. I'm being, and then I was around, I was in, I was also in an accelerator because of being in Bible school, teaching, like how to structure a sermon, how to structure teaching, how to actually really a sermon is organizing your ideas in a way to persuade someone to a particular conclusion, like to show like this, you know, reason and lessons and all of those types of things. And so by being in that environment, and then actually by being connected to different churches who were some of the greatest speakers in the world, traveling with speakers and authors and being a fly on the wall and being their videographer, and then personally choosing to study public speaking and want to grow as a speaker, whether that was reading books or even I bought this CD set off eBay that had like Chris Widener and John Maxwell, and it had four CDs worth of vocabulary words. And I listened to that in my Ford Taurus when I was driving to Red Robin to wait tables. So I very intentionally wanted to grow stronger as a public speaker and as a communicator. And even since then, I continue to invest in growing uh, as a public speaker. I think that um, that becomes, it's it's a little different than, you're right, there's the tech side and there's just that, but I think it's given me an edge. It is the edge. Like the person, I think there's some famous person once said some quote similar to, 
the person who is the powerful communicator will control the situation. They even studied presidents. I remember I heard Tony Robbins breaking down presidents and talked about George Bush versus Bill Clinton back in the day and whatnot. Bill was the guy. Like he had the likability factor, the communication factor. And he actually went into like the way, the reason we think people win has a lot less to do with what we think it is. And it has more to be with like things like how to win friends and influence people, Dale Carnegie and things like public speaking. So when you layer on top communications skills and public speaking skills, it's not just about YouTube. It's about your podcast, your webinars, your, you being on the phone, you being anywhere. So I don't know. I don't remember the question, but uh, public speaking has been a major key. And I think becoming a good speaker, I will say this is one of the edge. When you're a subject matter expert, it doesn't mean you're a good speaker. So the advantage that I kind of, uh, kind of weird to talk about myself in this regard, because it's up to, of course, the audience, but I think one thing that makes me different in my space compared to peers is they're subject matter experts, but never necessarily they didn't grow up in church and, and like thinking about public speaking. And, and this is what I learned. What's interesting is even though they may be smarter and even their information may be better, that's not necessarily how that's going to be perceived because the, the, the power of public speaking is like John Maxwell says, everybody communicates, but few connect. It actually has a lot more to do. Like, do you understand the audience? Do you understand timing? Do you understand tone? I've studied comedians. I think one of the best people to learn from is comedians, the Netflix specials, because of timing and humor and jokes and cadence. That's maybe a conversation for part two. <laughs> but uh, but like, yeah, public speaking is rather the study of communication itself is the best thing you could possibly invest in because it is going to influence your entire business and your personal brand. And it's going to power up your personal brand to untold levels and it'll impact your direct YouTube videos and so many other things. Yeah. I mean, they say people don't always remember what you say, but they remember how you make them feel. That's especially true on stage. And I hope that some of the things that if they don't remember anything today, I hope they, they think about that, that feeling of if you're in that season of obscurity already right now, and you put in that, that hat that he told you to put on today, which is, you know, preparing yourself for popularity, uh, just like he's preparing to be Brad Pitt, Fight Club ripped. You know, I think that's a, a great takeaway for all of you guys. And I think the, the book YouTube Secrets will help them do that. I think the course Video Ranking Academy, which we will link in the show notes and have you guys a way to connect to that will be there. Take advantage. We have people that are trying to pour into you. Take advantage of it. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you, Sean, for coming on today, man. And I will uh, we'll catch everyone next time. Thank you. You've just taken your marketing knowledge to another level with this episode of Brands on Brands. But we have plenty more ways to help you build a brand that matters. Head over to brandsonbrands.com for resources, as well as access to our blogs, videos, and exclusive coaching sessions with your host. Be sure to visit brandsonbrands.com.